Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Scarlett Fu here with Tom Keen. Economic indicators are brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RAE, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Let's check in now with Vinny Del Judice for the latest economic indicators. Vinny? Good morning, Scarlett. We have figures on GDP, revised fourth quarter GDP, stronger than forecast, an increase of 1% in the fourth quarter. Going into the report, economists had anticipated a 0.4% increase. The prior number, the prior estimate by the government was 0.7. So GDP topping forecasts up 1%. Also, some advanced trade, a merchandise trade deficit January. It widened to $62.2 billion from roughly 61.5 in December. At the Bloomberg First Word Desk, Vinny Del Judice, let's go back to New York. Uh, Vinny, thanks so much. Markets move on this. Uh, yields up four, totally risk on. Two-year yield explodes up three basis points, 0.78. Uh, and with some curve steepening as well. We're not back out over 100 beeps, but uh, certainly a constructive field of that. With futures up 12, Dow futures up 107. Lindsay Piega with us with Stiefel Nicholas. Uh, Lindsay, you got to help me here. All in all, I think it's been a week of very good economic data or at least flat or up feel like we just see with a 1% statistic. Um, does this adjust the Fed discussion, not immediately, but in the coming weeks? It really doesn't change the storyline for the U.S. economy, knowing that we've now slowed for back-to-back quarters from that peak of activity in the second quarter. But even a small three-tenths upside revision does reinforce the Fed's thesis that the economy is still on moderate footing. And remember, against the backdrop of stronger inflation data, as we heard from Esther George yesterday, there's still a lot of pressure on the Fed to give us that second rate increase near term. Scarlett, what I would suggest is Lindsay nails it with the word reinforce. Right. I I think that just totally captures the week's tone. Uh, We should also mention that uh, the consensus estimate here for GDP was for four-tenths of 1%, so a a slower pace of growth growth. And in getting that 1% advance, we not only defied expectations, but we built on the original uh, original report, Tom. Lindsay, state of the consumer here, a little light personal consumption comes in, but still, is it led as always by 68, 70% of the economy? Yeah, we see consumption revised down slightly from 2.2 to 2%. But again, we're, we're really splitting hairs there. We know the consumer began to tighten their purse strings at the end of the year. The good news is the retail data does seem to be a bit stronger as we round it out into the new year. But from the Fed's point of view, again, this just uh, solidifies the idea that the consumer is still on moderate footing, hopefully gaining momentum as we start to see improvement in that wage component. Into your reinforcing discussion on reinforce, reinforce how I mean, I, I hate the parlor game, folks, but it actually works here. How many rate rises this year? Are you migrating back to three or four? We have not deviated. We're still looking for three rate increases because, remember, it's not about the lack of improvement that we've seen in the data. It's about the Fed's expectations. Yeah. And the data has not materially deteriorated, and so that has not, in our opinion, uh, adjusted downward the Fed's expectations 
for growth two to three years hence. Remember, they want to get out ahead of inflation, and so they're going to have to begin to uh, continue excuse me, continue to give us gradual rate increases along the way. I'm really interested, Scarlett, in the Gloom Crew essays this weekend. Mm-hmm. How do they write about gloom given the sum of data we've seen Well, they could point, for instance, to this GDP report, which indicates that the fourth quarter uh, expanded faster than initially estimated because of a higher value of business inventories. And at the same time, they could also point to wages and salaries rising $83.3 billion, which was revised down from the $89.2 billion initially reported. Uh, Well, how do you, Lindsay, how do you factor in export dynamics into Y equals C plus I plus G plus NX? I mean, do you just forget about it? Or is that valid? No, it it certainly is valid. And one of the components that you see with a significant revision is imports. Now, of course, this will be a net positive to the GDP calculation when you're talking about importing less from abroad. But it does speak to the fact that the consumer is still on very moderate footing. If the U.S. consumer was as strong as I think the Fed would have us believe, you would have seen import growth remain positive through the end of the year. But that's now been revised down from 1.1 to negative 0.6. And as Tom, as you mentioned, we see selling in the two-year with the yield spiking up to 75 basis points, 75.39 to be exact. Lindsay, what does this do to all the conversation about a recession? We are, we're, we're bound for recession. There's a recession looming. Does this take that off the table? I don't know if it takes it off the table for those that have uh, initiated that discussion, but I think it certainly gives us another data point to suggest, no, the economy is not falling off the table Still tepid, mind you. Remember, we still can't gain momentum beyond this stagnant 2% growth range. But I think it does alleviate some of the talking points for the recessionary uh, possibility near term. In our final minute with Lindsay, we go to where few fail to tread. With fear, we look at real final sales. What is real final sales? Well, real final sales is essentially looking at the growth rates, less inventories. We want to take out that very volatile inventory cycle. And what we see is that uh, real final sales were actually unchanged in this report. So essentially we shifted around some of the growth uh, from category to category, but when we strip out that volatile inventory cycle, real final sales unchanged at 1.2% at the end of the year. So again, reiterating the story that uh, the U.S. economy did lose momentum at the end of the year, but still very much yeah. on positive uh, legs. Lindsay Pierce uh, with uh, Stiefel Nicholas. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Scarlett, I'm looking for the nominal GDP uh, number here in the, you know, the first table that comes out. Still looking for it. But, uh, you know, at the end of the, t- at the end of the day, the sub 4% nominal GDP gets your attention. We'll Absolutely. The core PCE in. number will also get the Fed's attention. That's the measure that they track most closely for inflation. And that yeah. increased one point. A little bit faster than the initial 1.2% that was reported earlier. I think I got a run rate of current GDP, which is uh, economic talk for nominal, of 2.0%. That certainly doesn't get it done. Futures up 13. This hour of surveillance is brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit volvocarswhiteplains.com. John Tucker has our news. John? And uh, Scarlett and Tom Marco Rubio unleashing a campaign's worth of harsh criticism on Donald Trump in the final Republican debate before Tuesday's crucial primaries. The problem may be that it uh, took 10 debates and three Trump victories to get Rubio fired up. United Nations Security Council this weekend considers tougher sanctions on North Korea and at curtailing the regime's nuclear ambitions after the country conducted a fourth nuclear test at rocket launch 
earlier this year. U.S. officials say the Pentagon has launched a newly aggressive campaign of cyber attacks against Islamic State militants. It's a targeted effort to erode the group's abilities to use social media and the Internet. And yes, Oscar weekend, uh, Tom, New Regency Productions could score a rare three-peat at the 88th Academy Awards Sunday with a win for The Revenant, the frontier drama with Leo DiCaprio. The company, along with the distributor 20th Century Fox, already holds the last two Best Picture Oscars with Birdman in 2015 and 12 Years a Slave from 2014. Haven't seen any of them. Later in our hour here, we've got 90 minutes left of Bloomberg Surveillance. We will speak with Surveillance Celebrity Lodestone, Scarlet Foo, <laughs> about this. John Tucker, thank you so much. Uh, Scarlet, we have sports. We do. It is time now for the Ray Katina Auto Group Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. All right, Scarlett, all three local hockey teams were on the road last night. Rangers won 2-1 in St. Louis. They were coming off a loss to New Jersey. They still have not had back-to-back losses since mid-December. Henrik Lundqvist made 35 saves, became the third goalie in NHL history to win 30 or more games in at least 10 seasons. As to the Devils, lost badly at Columbus 6-1. Nick Foligno had the hat-trick for the Blue Jackets in Calgary. The Islanders, Thomas Hickey scored third period to tie the game and then late in overtime. Tavares pulling to the right. is over the Calgary line. Being chased by Monaghan. Nice turn on Gaudreau. Centers in front and Bailey scores! Nice play by Tavares to Bailey and the Islanders rally here with a victory. Through the one at Calgary, their third straight win. The Nets' second stop on this club record nine-game road trip, a 116-106 win at Phoenix, who's lost 13 in a row. Nets made news earlier, releasing Joe Johnson, who in his four seasons made a lot of money, $25 million this year, hit several game-winning shots. The Nets never won a playoff series with him, and certainly won't this year. Johnson can now join another team. Many, seem, many teams are interested. College hoops went for Seton Hall, could go a long way towards Getting the Pirates into the NCAA, 70-52 over Providence. A week after beating DePaul to get its first Big East win, St. John's lost at DePaul, 83-75. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashel. John, thank you so much. Scarlett, we mentioned a range. Is it, is it getting to be the fun time of hockey? I mean, it's, it's getting to be... The nerve-wracking part the of nerve-wracking. hockey. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually had not realized that the Rangers had not lost back-to-back losses. It felt like they had for a while because your emotions go up mm-hmm. and down so much. Remember that game that we went to against the Canadians, the one yes. that began the awful streak? Yes, we sat. Our people made us sit in two different parts of Madison Square. Yeah, it would have caused too much of a commotion if we were together, right? Yes, if we'd been together, it would have, you know, Lundquist would have been unhappy. He wouldn't have been able to concentrate. Well, as it turns out, he wasn't able to concentrate <laughs> because they lost really badly. They lost really badly. It was an ugly uh, game. Right now, a good market. Futures up 14, Dow Futures up 130. Scarlet Foo and Tom Keen on a Friday. Bloomberg Surveillance. This sports report was brought to you by Ray Katina Auto Group. Everyone deserves to drive a Mercedes-Benz from Ray Katina. Make it happen at Ray Katina Motor Car in Edison, Ray Katina of Union, and the new Ray Katina of Freehold. Or go to raykatina.com.